Welcome to the Hardwick Evangelical Church Weekly Podcast. I'm reading from Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. And then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots. And the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running away from the Lord because he'd already told them so. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied. And it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. As we're singing the songs that um, Susie has chosen for us this morning, um, and as I was going through another version of the Bibles I've got, which I have filled up with little notes and little um, kind of bookmarks that I write little things that make an impression on me and various things like that, um, it reminded me of something I wrote And I will just read that out to you. Um, 
I heard it somewhere, read it somewhere, such a long time ago I don't remember exactly, but it's good for us to hear this, I think, and it might be good for us to remember it. It's five sentences. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God's word is alive and active in me. Amen. We thank the Lord for his love and his kindness to us, which is continual. And um, in starting our study of Jonah, we've had our introduction. Last week, Michael spoke about the great love of God, that he wasn't willing for anyone to perish. Um, Kate spoke to us about going deeper with God. And that we're going to be studying Jonah and Nahum. So, I hope you've all been reading Jonah again, or even if you haven't read it before, you've read it now, and you've heard it, we've heard Kate, thank you Kate, for reading it to us. Everyone knows the story of Jonah and the big fish, but not everyone knows the purpose of this story which is placed in the Bible among the minor prophets. Minor prophets, as you may know, only means that they are shorter books, not that they are less important prophecies. And the major prophets are the ones that may be a bit more familiar, we may have read more out of those or know more about those, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel and Daniel. The most important thing to remember in our study of the book of Jonah is although Jonah is believed to be the penman um, of the story, of his experience and so on, it is still a God-inspired book. It is God-breathed, as it says in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God, the man in the Bible always means men and women, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, the story of Jonah, dated approximately 772 BC, or so the scholars say. Um, there are two main lessons to learn when studying the book of Jonah. Of course, there are many other lessons, and we shall see some of the other ones too. But the first lesson is the great compassion and love of God for all people. He was not willing to punish this sinful and very wicked city. If you read anything about Assyria, Nineveh was the capital of Assyria at the time, 
And if you read anything about this, it became such a great power, but wickedness and the way that they conquered and tortured and everything. He was not willing to punish this sinful and very wicked city without warning them and giving them the opportunity to repent, even though they did not believe in the God of Israel. And as we heard, God so loved the world, all the world, and he still does. And he's not willing that anyone should perish. That's why he gave his son. And the second lesson, main lessons we said, is the person of Jonah. His disobedience to God, his, the, his lack of the fear of God, and his attitude. Firstly, I'd like to say, do we know if this is a true story, or a fable, or a parable? You know, you're going to get people saying to you, well, this didn't really happen, it's just an example. It's just a story. Uh, I want you to think about it and make up your own minds. So I'm going to say a few things that are in the Bible. Number one, Jonah is mentioned in 2 Kings 14 verses 23 to 27. And you can make a note of this if you want to look at it properly. Um, we're told that he was born in Galilee. So we're told where he was born. We are, we are told that who his father was. We're also told in the beginning of the book of Jonah, his father was Amite. And Amite means truth, and Jonah, his name, means dove. And we were told in the book of Kings that he was a prophet. He was born in Galilee. Wait, so there were prophets out of Galilee. But nobody told the Pharisees. You're all looking at me as strange. Is that strange? Nobody told the Pharisees. If you remember in John 7:52, when they were arguing with Nicodemus and they said to him, search the scriptures and see there is no prophet out of Galilee. Well, there is. Looks like they didn't know their scriptures. Good when you're studying the Bible because you learn all the time. Thank you, Lord. So Jonah was a prophet in Israel, in the northern kingdom. If you remember, the kingdom was divided when they were fighting over the throne, and Jeroboam the first took over the ten tribes, and northern kingdom was called Israel, southern kingdom was called Judah. And Benjamin was among it as well. So two tribes in the south, ten tribes in the north. The northern, during that northern kingdom, I mean, during the reign of Jeroboam II in the northern kingdom, that's when Jonah was called to prophesy, Israel was sinning. Jeroboam was a sinful and bad king. Yet God sent Jonah with a good word and he, and he spoke to the king because Jonah had compassion on his people. And 
Jonah said that the Lord, he sent, them, he sent him with a good word, a blessing. Jonah said that the Lord would give power to Jeroboam to get the land back which their enemies had taken. God, again showing Israel love and care with the hope that they would turn away from their idolatry and serve their God faithfully. They didn't, and neither did the king. Not long after this story of Jonah and Nineveh, the Assyrians came in full force and they conquered Israel and they carried them away. And it makes me cringe when I read what they did to carry them away. Right, again, true story or fable? Ask yourself. In Matthew 12, 39 and 41, it's interesting what the Lord says about him. He's talking to those who are seeking a sign, and he says, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a miraculous sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. He calls him a prophet. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, now this is interesting, isn't it? The men of Nineveh will stand up in the day, in the day, uh, in the day of judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now one greater than Jonah is here. The Queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. Well, I think in these verses, the Lord is confirming who Jonah was and what he did, and that Nineveh did repent. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a fairy tale. And I believe God is a God of miracles. We've been singing that this morning. And nothing is impossible to him. Now, let's have a good look at Jonah. And I'd like you, if you've got your Bibles, to just follow along with me. Um, and we will look at verses along the way. I've got a little map here which just gives us an idea of, probably should have given it to Steve to put it in advance, but here we are. Nineveh is over here. Tarshish is over there somewhere. Nobody knows exactly. They think it was maybe Spain. And Gath Hefer is where Jonah was born. Israel is the northern kingdom where he served. Joppa is down here, the port where he goes to get the ship. And this is Cyprus, where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see which way Jonah decided to go. Chapters. 1, verses 1 and 2. What does Jonah do? God says, go east. 
and he goes in the opposite direction, he goes west. Note here, Jonah, a prophet of God, refuses to obey. This is a good example of man's free will. He resists the voice of the Almighty. Our Creator chose to give us this free, free this freedom, this free will. And um, Michael was speaking about it last week. Our God wanted us to have free will. So let's ask ourselves, each one of us, am I using this freedom to go in the opposite direction that God wants me to go? It's a question we should all ask ourselves from time to time. So why did Jonah, a prophet of God, refuse to obey? He decided that he didn't want to warn them. He deserved, they, deserved, he, they deserved the punishment. They were an extremely wicked people. Maybe as a human being he was concerned what they would do to him. Maybe he was concerned what his own people would think. These are all questions that we might ask, but we shall see at the end of the story. So Jonah ran away far from the area of Israel, where he may have thought God's voice could not be heard. There was some kind of belief that God spoke in that area only. But Jonah, you're the one who says your God is the creator of heaven and earth. And the psalm says, where can I go to get away from the Lord? If I go up in heaven, you are there. If I go to the lowest parts, you are there. But where can I go? God is, God is everywhere. So let's see the extremes that Jonah goes to in order to avoid doing what the Lord told him to do. He ran to the port of Joppa, which was probably not that close, as we saw roughly on the map, to where he was. He got on the ship headed to Tarshish. They believe it was somewhere in Spain, but it was definitely far. It looks like he had a plan. He didn't get on a ship to go anywhere close but as far as he could. Verses 4 to 5. The Lord sent a great wind, a violent storm. All the sailors were afraid. These sailors were used to the sea, so this was no ordinary storm. This storm was so bad, they feared it would break up the ship. They feared for their lives. They all cried out in prayer, each to their own God. When man faces death, he will cry out for help, even if he doesn't believe in any God. Instinct, maybe? Something the Creator put in us? Hmm. They prayed and then acted. They did what they knew to do. 
they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Wow, what wisdom. I was really impressed, again, by these people that didn't know the true God. They prayed and then they acted. We should do that. First pray and then do what we know to do that is right and trust our God to do what only he knows to do. Well, what did Jonah do? He was deep down in the ship, in the ship fast asleep. Are you sleeping even though you know the truth and what you must do? Let's ask ourselves. You know the devil can cause you to sleep while he's working to destroy you. Jonah was probably exhausted from his running, from trying to put the word of God out of his mind. Maybe he was physically and spiritually exhausted. You know, disobedience to the will of God can be exhausting. It's better to just obey. Verse 6, the captain of the ship is puzzled. How can this young man be asleep while everyone else is about to die, everyone else is about to perish? Verse 7, it looks like Jonah didn't respond straight away because the sailors cast lots to find out who it was among them, who, whose fault it was that this calamity had come upon them. And the lot fell on Jonah. Verse 8. So they question him quite a lot, don't they? Verse 9. So he tells them who he is and who his God is. The one who made the sea and the land. And he tells them his story. And now the sailors are really afraid. Verse 10. Now the sailors really afraid. This God is the one who's made the sea and the land. So they, they're asking him, what have you done? They're probably shocked that he could, obey, he could disobey such a God. And they want to know what they can do. And Jonah tells them, 11 and 12. He knew exactly what was going on. So he said, just throw me in the sea. But we see in verse 13 that instead they did their best to save him. They rode harder to get back to land. And here we see the goodness of these sailors and the captain who were very gracious. They didn't want to punish him for what he had brought on them. The fact that they had lost their cargo they were in danger of losing their lives. Yet we see they tried to row harder to get back to land. They were not willing to throw this man to his death. You know, we need to note this because sometimes unbelievers behave more noble than the people of God. To our shame. Verses 14 to 16. 
They couldn't do any more. The sea got worse and worse. They cried out to the Lord. Note, not to their own gods as before. So they acknowledged that this God who made the land and the sea was greater. And after they saw that the sea was calmed, they greatly feared the Lord. They realized this God is true. This God has the power over the sea. And so they offered a sacrifice and they made vows. Maybe they made vows to serve him only from now on. Now I wonder why Jonah didn't repent. He just acknowledged that all this was going on because of him. Why didn't he just repent at that point and pray there and then and ask God to forgive him? Instead, he just wanted to die. He thought, well, that's my punishment. Maybe he was still thinking, I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. You know, at this point, Jonah had no idea what God was planning to do. So when he said, throw me in the sea, he was saying, just let me die. And we'll see later in the story, he wants to die again. He had no idea what God would do. And we see verse 17. And the Lord provided the huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. A large fish, the Bible says, and not a whale, as some translations have. And not a whale that is often depicted. Apparently, the neck of a whale is too narrow to swallow a whole man. Maybe a shark. A, and by divine power, it did not chew him. Or most probably, some scholars say, a dogfish. Because the stomach of this fish is large, a body of a man in full armour was once found in such a fish. Maybe it was a large fish which is now extinct. Whatever it was, this was no fun. After being cast into the raging sea and then into the belly of a fish, you know, this was no Walt Disney picture. It was smelly. It was pitch black. The acids of the stomach were flowing. It was painful and horrible. And Jonah himself calls it the belly of hell. Jonah had to go so far down before he decided to call out to the Lord to, to be continued next week. Right, let's look at ourselves now. How about you and me? How far will you go? How far will you or I run before surrendering our will to the will of the Lord? Will you wait until you are suffering before you put him first? Will other people suffer because you will not do what you are? what you know to do. 
Remember that every time we read and study the scriptures, we don't just read the story and think, oh, well, that was a good story, or that was a bad story, or that was scary, or anything else. But remember that when we read and we study the scriptures, they are meant to transform us, continue to transform us into the image, into the image of Christ, into his image. And they are meant to show us our shortcomings. They're meant to lead us to repentance and to ask for forgiveness. Um, Paul says, there, let us not forget there is the love of God and the severity of God. God's love is so great, but there is his justice too. And each time we read the scriptures, we see his love, his greatness, his power, and this should cause us to look inside ourselves and confess our sins, our negligence, our disobedience, and ask for his forgiveness and ask for his help to do better. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Father, we, we come before you today, Lord, having read this part of the book of Jonah, learning a, a bit more about you, Lord, learning how you love everyone. You always have. You always will. And many times, Lord, we may be like, behave like Jonah. We may think, well, this person or that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. They don't deserve to be saved. Um, help us, Lord, to be transformed and have your kind of heart that loves unconditionally. That continues to love us even though we fail that continues to help us and that is ready at any moment to forgive us at that moment that we ask for forgiveness. And many times you know, Lord, that we're going to just go on and do that same mistake again, yet you forgive us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And help us, Father. Help each one of us to be transformed day by day and come closer to you and be transformed into your image. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we ask this, knowing full well we don't deserve it, Lord, but we ask it because you are God Almighty and you are the one who has given us this privilege and made a way for us. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Amen.
For more information about Hardwick Evangelical Church please click the website link in our bio.